like a real a guy from real uh, kind of tech you you, you uh, we had some conversations uh, because you do, are doing AI you're consulting in the AI world so I'm uh, and but you're also going spiritual Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Kundalini Awakening podcast. Uh, <clears throat> this is our fourth episode, and I'm very happy to uh, have you here on this chat because you're like a real a guy from real uh, kind of tech. You, you, you uh, We had some conversations uh, because you do, are doing AI. You're consulting in the AI world, so I'm uh, and but you're also going spiritual. Tell us, uh, uh, you know, what are you doing with the Kundalini Yoga Club, Martin? Uh, well, actually, um, I I discovered the club soon after I realized that I uh, wanted to uh, do Kundalini Yoga. This was uh, in the midst of the first lockdown of the pandemic, so there were uh, not much yoga classes going on, and I wanted to. Um, uh yeah investigate uh, the possibilities of kundalini yoga and then i uh, bumped into one of these blog posts of uh, jasper um which guided me uh, to his website and then i found that there was uh, a wide uh, range of um, uh, kriyas available uh, through the kundalini yoga club and also at the same time i read in his ebook uh, that uh, it would be advisable to do the Kundalini Yoga uh, every morning. So I thought, well, let's uh, uh, let's get it started because I, I was uh, pretty sure that I wanted to take a deep dive into this practice. And uh, I, I followed the, the main suggestions that Jasper provided uh, instantly. So I became a member of the yoga club. I started uh, easily, I must say, because I, I read something about the importance of breath work. And I didn't have any experience with uh, with yoga whatsoever, uh, whether it was Kundalini yoga or any other form of yoga. So instead of doing my first 40 days uh, from start, I decided to start with 40 days of only breath work. And it would also limit the amount of time I, I needed to, uh, uh, to take in the morning because I, I needed to get used to uh, rising up earlier. And instead of, of taking the full hour of, uh, of a Kriya and a mantra uh, from scratch, I, I decided to just uh, go half an hour earlier and do some breathwork exercises. And that was my 40, first 40 days. And Why 40 that, days? Why 40 days? Well, also because it was advised to do so. So I was, I was completely blank about the whole tradition and all the uh, rituals or, or guidelines that uh, come with it. So anything that was suggested by Jasper through all the different uh, uh, information outlets uh, around uh, the Kundalini Yoga Club, I just absorbed and, uh, and uh, took that for granted. So I thought uh, if you do it on a daily basis uh, and um, uh, then you take a, a particular practice for 40 days, uh, that resonated with me. I didn't have any uh, obligations or uh, um, uh, I didn't have any uh, negative ideas about that. So I just thought, okay, that, that, that will be my practice as well. 
Yeah, those 40 days are actually a, a time where you sink in or you, you, you start to break open a, a pattern. Um, mm. uh, you know, uh, when I come from the Vietnamese background, when, when somebody would die then for 40 days, you would wear a little bit of a, a black cloth on your shirt so that you would never um, forget this person. Mm. So, so 40 days comes back in many uh, traditions as, as, a, as a one of the, it's a, I think the first step to break a, to break a pattern mm. or to install a pattern, but it's a, the lightest because there's also 90 days and then you go for a whole year or a thousand days, right? So the 40 days are good stuff. Okay. So you went into the club, you discovered the club and somehow you just open-minded blank, no judgment, read the book, follow the thing, right? And you start yeah. to start your journey. And that was how many years ago? So that was uh, halfway 2020. So three and a half years. Okay. 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 Now let's, I, I'm curious before that, what mm -hmm. led, uh, well, what led Martin um, on the search for something and how did he come to the Kundalini? Yeah, well, that's that's a quite long trajectory. Um, maybe uh, it's 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 good to start with uh, the um, uh, the initial uh, paradigm or idea I had about the world, uh, which I uh, sometimes call like a conventional uh, uh, modern Western worldview, where there is not no such thing as a god and um, there's no such thing as magical uh, events that can happen that cannot be explained by science um, in in terms of uh, i i followed one philosophy course uh, during my studies and i realized i was a philosophical materialist it not to be uh, um, mixed up with uh, economic materialist, but a philosophical materialist means that your consciousness derives from uh, the physical composition of your brain. And I fully adhered to that worldview. Uh, uh, so as, as, as well as... Wait, 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 wait before, can I just All right. jump in? For my understanding, does that resonate with what I see, I believe, and if I don't see it, I don't believe it? Is that something? Yeah, that? definitely. Yeah, that's also... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would fully subscribe that uh, statement uh, until a few years ago. And I must okay. say, I was in an environment both in terms of my, my family, my, uh, my upbringing. So my parents and uh, my brother and sister, they had the same beliefs about the world as well as most of my friends we had the odd religious person here and there who was still going uh, to church but other than that i think most of uh, uh the the people around me how they perceived the world was quite similar to how i perceived the world and anybody who had a different worldview whether it was uh, like a christian traditional religional religion view or more spiritual view me personally as well as many people around me thought they were just crazy and they they hadn't captured reality yet but that's that's how i started so i i, I was quite in the opposite corner uh, uh, as the core as the uh, route where kundalini yoga brings you so there, there happened quite a few things in between before i decided i go full into uh, kundalini yoga as i decided three and a half years ago so uh, I'm curious, what made you realize I need to find something else? Uh, 
Yeah, I think it was a stepwise approach. Um, my partner, we, we reflected on it, my partner and me, how, how this, this transition came about. And, and she pinpointed uh, an event a bit over 10 years ago now uh, where I stopped uh, drinking alcohol uh, from one day to the other. I was drinking quite heavily, not in a problematic way, but uh, in a way that I was definitely dependent on it. And I, I read a book about uh, quitting smoking uh, and I got that halfway the book, but the book said you must read the full book. Uh, so I read the full book and the second half of the book, I had time to reflect on uh, not my relationship with nicotine because I sorted that out. I decided to quit uh, smoking straight away. And throughout the book, I realized that the same dynamic which was described between yourself and, and the nicotine also applied to myself and the alcohol. So I decided to also quit alcohol at the same time. Um, and in in hindsight, my partner says that was basically, I think, your first act of resistance against this conventional worldview, although it didn't have any philosophical or, or um, implications or implications about how I viewed reality. But she said that maybe that started something, some change. And my own reflection was a bit different because I think one or two years down the line from that moment, a friend of mine suggested to um, uh, do uh, magic truffles. Uh, I didn't really know what that was about uh, when I started it, but I was open to anything basically. So I thought, well, let's make some fun and, and use the truffles. And I uh, we used it, I think three times over the course of a year or so. And I had some profound insights about how you can look to reality from a different lens. And I realized that during those trips, we referred to common day reality as reality because we didn't believe anymore, at least during uh, the, the immersion of the trip, that that was the only way to look at reality. And, and the way we looked at reality from this uh, immersed uh, state uh, felt as much real or maybe even realer than the conventional reality. So I think that broke the first crack in, in my perception about what reality was about. And I, I it made me realize that there's different ways that you can look at reality and one way is not more genuine than the other. And still that didn't really change things significantly but um but it 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 was a first step towards uh, being open to different worldviews about reality and then i think uh it was around the same time uh when my partner uh bought uh, uh, a magazine of uh, of happiness uh, and there was a small booklet included in that uh, particular uh feature which um uh, uh, which was a, a capture of the book, The Power of Now from Eckhart Tolle. And it was just lying around uh, in our uh, uh, living room. And I thought, well, there's something to read. So let's start reading it. And I was really puzzled by the content. It intrigued me, but I didn't understand much of it. I would say 80% just flew over my head and 20% was like, okay, this is interesting, but I don't really get it. And I realized I was so much intrigued by it that uh, a few months later, I went on a hiking trail for a few days by myself and I decided to bring the book. Uh, 
so that maybe uh, during a time when I was with myself and I was at, at, at ease and at peace with myself, I could capture more of the content. So I reread the small booklet a few months later. I never reread stuff. So somehow it, it intrigued me. And then I started to reread it. Um, and again, I didn't get much of it. But somehow it, stick, it's, it stuck to me because um, later, I, so somehow it intrigued me to, to start uh, meditating, exploring some first steps on the spiritual path. Uh, this, what, this... Uh, what really intrigued you? I, I understand the books of Eckhart Tolle. Right? I haven't read many, but a few. And you mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a different knot to crack, right? It's a different yeah. view on reality. But can you remember back like, what pulled you back in? What pulled I you think to I did... pull through? How did you feel that? Yeah, I think you must have received some kind of a signal yeah. or something. And I'm just curious, what was that? I think by the time I didn't really know what intrigued me about it because it was also fake. But maybe in, in hindsight, I can now see that um, Eckhart Tolle in describing the different state that you can achieve, the different way you can look at uh, reality, uh, comes with uh, peace, uh, inner peace and uh, inner calmness. And I think that that is the part that intrigued me because uh, as many people, I was always longing for uh, peace of mind or a peaceful state. And apparently this strange way of having an alternative perception of the world could lead to this deep, calm state. And I think that I was looking for that somehow because um, uh, normal everyday life can be quite uh, well uh, stringent and 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 uh, I mean you have to be always on and 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 performing and at the same time with this this conventional worldview that I just described there is no not really such a thing as a purpose of life so you just go on and and try to make as much fun as possible but at the same time there is not much uh, balance in the way I perceive my life that would lead me to a relaxed and calm state. And, and this was some one of the promises in, in, in Eckhart Tolle's book. And I think that somehow intrigued me like, okay, if, if, if this is the way that you can get to a calm state, I might uh, be interested to, to dive a bit deeper. So you were looking a way out of the rat race. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Without realizing I was in a red race, because as far as I was concerned, this was just how life was supposed to be lived. And later, you, in hindsight, you realize you were in a red race, right? Yeah, I'm, I still am for mo most part of my life. But at least I have now discovered piece by piece that there is an alternative way to to relate yourself uh, against uh, life. OK, so you start meditation. Tell us, what did meditation bring you? Um, well, I I said at a later stage, and I think that's still the case, I have a, a love-hate relationship with meditation. And then a friend of mine who is a frequent meditator, the same person that, uh, that introduced me to the magic truffles, he said, well, does not everybody have a hate-love rela hate relationship with meditation? Because it's not, it's not uh, a full bliss 
from start to end. It can be very blissful, but it can be very frustrating, and um, uh, uh, and it can also make you make you realize how uh, how little you know about how to become because you observe your not calm your mind and all yeah, the thoughts that are running mind. around yeah your monkey mind so once you start interacting and, and 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 observing your monkey mind you only realize how far away you are from that calm state that that Cartola so nicely described so frustrating isn't it <laughs> oh definitely yeah so so i I, I I don't think the the thing was that the the one example I had about spiritual journey was the, that of that friend of mine who was uh, very uh, um, uh, experienced already in meditation. He went uh, to uh, these ten day uh, vipassana retreats, and at a later stage he went for uh, I think six or seven weeks uh, to Burma for full meditation uh, experience. So I thought. If I ever want to walk this way towards this this peacefulness and calmness, the meditation is the way to go. And at the same time, when I started meditation, I was like, okay, doing this for ten minutes uh, twice a day is okay. But other than that, I don't I don't really see myself going deeper into this route. But I I as far as I knew, this was the only way because I didn't have any reference or clue about uh, the different paths you can walk in the spiritual journey. So I, I got stuck there a bit and I actually stopped meditating after a year, maybe one and a half year or so. I, it gradually faded out. I'm, I'm pretty sure that most listeners will uh, uh, recognize setting up a practice. And then after a while, you realize you're not doing the practice anymore and you actually forgot how, how it slipped away. I think that's how it went with, with me and meditation. Um, so then I was back at my conventional life again. Um, and then there was a, a late, uh, another event. A friend of mine started doing some uh, ayahuasca ceremonies. So another plant medicine entered my life when she asked me, or maybe I asked her, I, I don't really uh, know how that uh, came about. But in the end, we decided that uh, I would join her during one of these uh, ceremonies. So it was a full weekend uh, ceremony uh, with two nights of uh, drinking the plant medicine and that's that small crack that was created uh, uh during the the uh, previous experiences a few years earlier that really cracked open uh, by then because the the immersion of this alternative point of view towards reality was so strong and so profound and it also came with a lot of uh, emotions and physical sensations in my case also a very uh, negative emotions um uh, where I really got stuck into some kind of uh, negative loophole. Uh, but during the ceremony, I was able to climb out of that dark place again. And also that whole experience somehow um, gave me a more profound feeling that this this little itch that was created um, should, should, be, should not be ignored anymore. Did you know that that was Kundalini or not? um no no i i i didn't know about kundalini before um i only uh, how was got... it explained to you then because i think a lot of people um have heard of ayahuasca or at least are intrigued by plant mm -hmm. medicine right so how did you perceive that uh, session what happened how did you explain it to your rational mind 
Um, I, I had difficulties doing that uh, because uh, from my conventional worldview, uh, there were a lot of things that happened during the ceremony that could not be explained. So I already had issues with with like just facing the experiences, not only for myself, but also uh, this this is a this was a group ceremony. So there were other participants with with their stories, um, uh, which also had oddities uh, in their in 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 the stories, which I also experienced and 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 witnessed during the ceremony so there were a lot of question marks around it but i already knew it it would probably be a very vague and unexplainable experience so i didn't really bother explaining it all the way the one positive thing that i took is that although i went through a very deep valley during the experience i climbed out of the valley myself because during the ceremony there was no uh, interaction allowed with others and uh, the facilitators, the shamans, they also um, supported you in, in such a way that they uh, would uh, stimulate you to, to, to deal with everything that comes up yourself instead of trying to help you out. So it was just me who climbed out of that dark place during the ceremony and I felt significantly lighter as a being after the ceremony, I, I compared it as if uh, there was a lot of dirt, like a, a big trunk of dirt. Uh, and, and part of it, like the, the, the level of, of how high the dirt came in, in, in uh, how I would perceive uh, difficulties in life, that was decreased afterwards. And that, that remained the case. So I, I, was a, I had been able to let go of some of the dirt that I was dragging along with me. Uh, and that was, that was, I think, the most significant difference I, uh, I recalled. And then I was also sort of kind of ex able to explain. So apparently, I thought, if you are going through such a ceremony, you are able to um, let go of some of the um, uh, load that you carry along with you in your life. Give me, uh, now we're very conceptual. I Let's get into mm -hmm. some detail, if you don't mind. A lot of people could not grasp this. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but, but for somebody who hasn't gone into the spiritual uh, road path, but maybe has a reason why they're listening to this podcast, podcast mm -hmm. right? So they're interested, but let's make it practical. Can you give us an example of what happened in that session? Where you can, you, because you're saying after one weekend, the mud of life become less. Yeah. How the heck is that possible? Probably somebody's asking. Yeah, I I think what maybe I I, I still recall quite specifically how I I came out of this dark place. So at a certain moment in time, and I think it lasted for around two hours or so. There was there was only negativity, uh, even such to as, a point such as. Uh, so I had a physical pain in my chest which was very intense. It was like uh, something stabbing in my chest. Um, and I got convinced of the idea that for the rest of my life, this pain would not go away anymore. So I thought, apparently this is for me, the effect of drinking the medicine. Uh, the pain started in my, uh, in my chest or a bit below, actually around the solar plexus. Um, and it got intense and I was really like craving uh, from pain 
and I thought, okay, now I I inflicted this on myself. Apparently, from now on, I'm I'm I have to bear this pain. And I that that was that was the state of mind I was in. And at the same time, I felt like okay, so I was 35 at the time, and I thought, well, maybe I have another 40 years or so to live. So let's let's face it. Uh, there there will be 40 years of in, intense pain, and I will have to wait and go through it so that that was the darkness of the place i was in there was no no perspective whatsoever on anything becoming better um mm -hmm. like i have never been in a very deep depression but i could imagine uh, it could feel similar that you have you the only perspective about the future you have is just negativity and in my case uh, combined with physical pain and then after being there for quite a while and feeling quite miserable about it, obviously, um, there were like glimpses of positivity. Like, hey, maybe the pain is a little bit less intense now than it just was. Or um, I could capture something in the, in the room around me which didn't make me very miserable. I could see uh, something which I liked, or I could hear a part, a phrase of the music that I thought, well, this this is not negative. This is this is something positive because also the neg the the music in general became very negative and and aggressive towards me, at least in my perception. But after uh, a while, some positive things came up, and I started to focus on it. And I realized the more I focused on the positive glimpses, the bigger they became. And when I lost them again, I was back in this 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 pool of of dire negativity. And again, when some glimpse of positivity came around and I started to focus on it, it grew again until maybe a uh, an hour later or so. So that was then three hours down the line. The positivity and the negativity were like balancing each other out. There were phases of positivity they became bigger i became more positive i had positive ideas about how the future could look like it, it would last for five to ten minutes and then it would slide away and i started feeling down again and this cycle of positive and negativity kept transforming in towards more positivity and less negativity and that's how i sort of crumbled out of this this dark hole by focusing on the positivity so the thing that i took and i also of course, during these sessions, you're always recommended to bring pen and paper to write important stuff down. And I recall I only wrote two sentences down from that night. Uh, and one of the sentences was very straightforward, turn to the light. Because there was darkness on the one side and there was light on the other side. And apparently, if I was able to turn to the light, I could, I mean, there was a positive reinforcement uh, bringing me to more positivity and more light, and I definitely uh, needed that because I was climbing out of such a such a dark place. So I started, I started maybe, maybe experiencing the positive relationship between uh, your your uh, mental intentions and the feedback that arrives from it, and I think that was quite a, substan a substantial lesson that if you are in a dark place. Uh, once you focus on the light, it's easier to to climb out of it. And I must say, it's, it's it has been almost five years since then, and I could not say that I'm never in a dark place anymore. But uh, it's it's definitely a lesson that I took, and also sort of 
for me explained how this bag of dirt that I carry along could could have been diminished because the whole process of going through such a deep valley and and climbing out of it and and the realization that came from it just made yeah it it felt like a a, a gentle breeze into my life and it also opened me up air. you got more air you got more space right yeah so, definitely yeah like you you released yourself with something really heavy right yeah so i i i, I that made, that whole story that what you found brings me back to one principle whatever you give attention it grows oh yeah that's definitely something that i experienced there yeah uh, like like a handful of seeds you pick the seeds you know you give it water it grows yeah but we need to be conscious which seed we want to grow whether it's the seed of drinking alcohol the seed of eating meat the seed of having sex or the seed of listening to my pains and, and letting it go you know it's uh, you get better at it or oh, meditation <laughs> yeah <laughs> so cool so that's that was the lesson okay you yeah. came out of it and then yeah then i think i besides the uh, the perception that i felt less burden uh, there was not much of a change going on i think it took around half a year before that change materialized because i i had uh, read a poem previously and one of the sentences in that poem was uh, i have never been born and I think it's it's part of this this concept that uh, your identity is uh, different than just the bodily in, uh, identity uh, that you have during this life, but it's more related to to the wider uh, conscious uh, experience. I didn't realize that at the moment because I didn't have the language to uh, to describe that or believe it for that matter. But I was intrigued by this sentence. I've never been born. Um, the the poem also reflected on uh, I will never die. That's like the, the, the other side of the same coin. But that seemed a bit uh, cheesy to me to dive into that concept because uh, the promise of never dying, I mean, it's an interesting promise, but it can also be, um, uh, yeah, how do you say that? It can also like uh, inflict uh, a wrong motivation to, to uh, um, uh, to uh, appreciate the, that different worldview, at least in my sense, I was I, I was a bit uh, uh, um, uh, sensitive about being too fond of the concept of never dying. I think it's not the right motivation for people to get on whatever spiritual path to search for the eternal life. Uh, although it might be a consequence that you don't feel too much uh, identified anymore with um your bodily life and experience but if it's your your sole motivation at least i was very much aware that i didn't did not want to make it my own prior prime motivation so therefore the part the part of i've never been born resonated more with me because i could embrace the concept and and and, and think about it and contemplate about it without uh the the uh, risk that i saw to 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 lean too much towards the promise of eternal life anyway i was this poem already brought me a lot as i just explained and i was i wanted to reread the poem so i i i googled this sentence i did i have never found the poem again up till today i i have i've looked for it later but i never found it again so maybe it's somehow disappeared but uh 
um, the, that, that particular sentence uh, brought me to a song. Um, uh, the all-seeing eye is, is the song, and part of the lyrics is, I have never been born and I will never die. Uh, it's a song by Manej de Moor. And uh, I started playing the song on Spotify, and I was instantly fully immersed in the ayahuasca experience because it's like a standard ayahuasca song. There's all these kinds of songs clustered in uh, a terminology like new age songs or rainbow songs or uh, uh, healing songs, uh, where there's a bunch of different types of styles, all spiritual motivated styles that are um, featuring during these ceremonies. So all of a sudden I was immersed in it again. And I recall that this friend of mine who whom I was with uh, during the ayahuasca ceremony, she said, you should look for ayahuasca playlists on Spotify so that you can get back to it. And I, I didn't bother. I didn't take her advice. Uh, but by the time, half a year down the line, when I accidentally bumped into one of these songs, I felt like, ah, I have been missing this feeling because in the end it was a very positive experience to me. So I, I started looking for other songs because that's the beauty of Spotify. Once you are into one song, it, it suggests other songs from, from the same uh, um, uh, composer and related stuff. So I think before I knew it, I had a whole playlist. Uh, of of these kind of songs, which I started playing, and I think by then the the, the magic of the transformational power of of the plant medicine actually started to work. Apparently, uh, I needed to have a, a half year uh, a period before it could really uh, take off. And soon after that, I start I I bought the full book of Eckhart Tolle, the 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 one that I uh, read the booklet about, and I started reading the book. I still didn't capture the entire book but at least i understood much more of it than a few years before so to me it felt like i i, I was gaining some insight on how this worldview actually looks like and what it entails and of course i i uh, fanatically started listening to these songs i recall my partner uh at one moment in time i was uh, uh cooking in the kitchen and i was listening to my songs and she was entering the room she came from outside and she was like Oh my God, are you now also listening to these songs while cooking? Where is this going? And I was like, I'm just listening to my favorite music. It was my new favorite music. It still is up till today. Um, but she was like, she, she is from a, a, a Christian background and she's still uh, active uh, uh, in, in this religion. And she, I always look down at that uh, from my conventional worldview. I even have said to her once, like, uh, uh, one day in time you will uh, realize that this is all uh, just uh, 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 just a tale. It's not real. That's that's how I perceived her spiritual um, uh, relationship with Christianity. And then she was like, okay, fair enough. This is my piece, and and you're apparently not interested in it. Uh, and then I came in with my spiritual behavior bringing in the music telling all kinds of stories and she was like oh wait a minute you were always dismissing me and my spirituality and now you're entering uh with 100 miles per hour with your own spiritual uh, development so she was a bit hesitant at start and that was also reflected by this comment about my music playing all the time but um uh 
I think after that, uh, we we uh, increasingly found a way to to merge our spiritual paths, uh, and but I think this music also uh, at the end made a connection to uh, Kundalini Yoga because one of the artists that was featuring in my playlist was uh, Snatham Snatham Kaur, uh, and I recall that she had a turban because that was on the on the cover of her uh, um, albums. And I was looking up, uh, usually I was looking up the texts that they were chanting in the mantras. And I realized that they were chanting some Gurmukhi texts related to uh, old Sikh scriptures. But that was all kind of strange abacadabra to me because I, I didn't really know what Sikh religion was about or what these turbans were doing or what the Gurmukhi script was saying, but the, the, the English or Dutch translations of these scripts, they resonated by me, with me by that time because I was getting more and more into that, this uh, new concept of uh, perceiving reality. Just to, just to yeah. recap, and then we'll jump into that Kundalini part. Right? So, from having this little crack into ayahuasca, it was the music that did its work. In and the end, yeah. Before, and then you start to comprehend it through under, diving into the meaning of the text. But prior to that, it was actually the vibration of the music that did something to you, correct? That, I think definitely that's the key factor that pulled me into Kundalini Yoga. Tell, uh, yeah. tell us about the discovery of the vibration in the Kundalini Yoga. Yeah, <laughs> just, I, I, I recall that the first song of, uh, of Snatham that entered my list because I was just listening all kinds of new songs and then when I really liked them, I added them to my list. And I think indeed, what made me like or dislike uh, a song is indeed the vibration and the energy that is in the song because I couldn't capture the texts and I, I'm not, I was not going to look for, for the meaning upfront. Only after entering a song to my list because it resonated and listening it for a few times, I started getting curious. What are they actually singing? But, but the meaning, the whole, yeah, the energy of the song was already digested and and uh, and and resonated. So the the, the first song of, of Snatham that entered in my list was Onamo. I think it's also her most listened song on uh, on Spotify. Uh, and I just fell in love with the song without really knowing what it was about. I mean, she does have some English phrases uh, in her song, which really helps because it it can capture uh, some of the essence. But uh, other than that, it's also just yeah, the, the whole sense and feeling and vibration of the music. And I, st uh, I started to listen more and more, uh, particularly on uh, uh, on her music. And then um, I thought, well, since this is my new favorite music and Snatham apparently is my new favorite art artist, I'm looking forward to go to a live concert. So I was looking up on the internet. Uh, I, it was already in... Uh, um, pandemic time, so I wasn't expecting any tour anytime soon, but I was just curious to see where she was from, whether she was ever touring, uh, touring in Europe. And then I saw that she had been uh, uh, playing at some festival, and this festival was called Kundalini Yoga Festival. And I even recall that I was a bit frustrated. Like I was still had a, a skeptic view towards yoga. So I was like, come on, can she just not feature in a normal festival? Should it be a yoga festival? <laughs> but then I realized if I ever want to see her play live, apparently I have to go to a Kundalini yoga festival. So let's look up on the internet what Kundalini yoga actually is. 
And then I started Googling uh, what Kundalini yoga is. I didn't have any clue. So I just entered, I think, on the Wikipedia page. And then it describes it's the yoga of consciousness and it's a profound method to uh, walk towards a wider conscious experience. And those were all the things that I started to appreciate as my path and my destiny because of the uh, book of um, Eckhart Tolle that I read. So basically, if people would ask me, what, is, what, what do you, did you take from the book of Eckhart Tolle? I would say, I want to expand my consciousness because then I would reach the state of calmness, which we discussed before. And then Wikipedia told me that there is a vehicle towards consciousness expansion. And apparently it was some kind of yoga, Kundalini yoga. And it was the first time I realized that this meditation path was not the only path towards a widened conscious experience. And Mona did that to you. Well, you yeah. All the time to sit home, listen to music, <laughs> to yeah, maybe, around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, it it, it was it, in 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 uh, earthly uh, uh, context. It was quite a busy time because we had two young children who were not allowed to go to daycare. So it was an intense time, but there was plenty of time to to listen to music and to go to Wikipedia to see what Kundalini Yoga means. And I whenever I remember, as soon as I read the, this phrase on uh, Wikipedia about Kundalini Yoga, I realized this is what I'm going to do without any doubt. I was just, I, di I didn't have any th second thought about my negative uh, connotation with yoga because I thought apparently this is another way that would lead me to uh, a wider consciousness experience. And I don't have to do the meditation path, which I started to, to not feel too comfortable with. And it didn't really lift off anyway for years. So that, I already knew that was not going to be my path. And all of a sudden, there was an alternative route towards where I wanted to go. And I recalled it was the path that would bring me more uh, of these beautiful songs that I started to appreciate. Because, And I recall that finally, when, uh, when the lockdown was over and I was able to join my first Kundalini Yoga class, uh, the song of uh, Om Namo of Snatan was played during the class. And, oh, what a coincidence. Yeah, of course. So, so that was like, and she literally sings in that song um, uh, something around, uh, something about coming home. And I'm coming home. That's what she's repeatedly singing. And I was sitting in this class doing all these strange moves that I was like, okay, I'm still not too comfortable with, with the yoga part. But apparently uh, uh, the, the, the whole concept behind it is, is really resonating. And then her song was played and, and she sang like, I'm coming home. And I really felt I was coming home. I was in a, a basement of a Rotterdam yoga studio doing all these crazy moves and, and holding your arms for five minutes like this and then for six minutes like this and whatever. Uh, I was I felt so proud and, and uh, self-assured sitting in this funny basement doing all this crazy stuff, but it was actually maybe for the first time in my life that I really did something that I chose to do. And it was against all odds, against all paradigms, but it felt like this is this is my way. This is this is what I am here to do. Which and that's you really actually wait. So I, I just need to go back a little bit. But you said something when I read that sentence. This is a yoga to grow your consciousness. You knew mm -hmm. at that moment. You already knew. 
I don't know whether you you said you knew you didn't yeah. have the experience yet. You knew. Yeah. It wasn't you didn't say I'm going to test this. No, I was I was fully sure. And of course, towards the outside world, I said like, okay, I'm going to take a lesson. Um, but I already knew I'm going all in. I'm, this this is what I'm going to do. This will be my route. I, I was I was pretty sure one second after I read it on on Wikipedia. And I've never doubted. Reflect on that moment. What gave you that insight? How did that work? Did you think of it? What happened? No, I was not really thinking because probably if I would have rationally analyzed it, I would go into the more nuanced way of let's give it a try. I might like it or something like that. But that was not yeah. that was not the feeling that came. I I think somehow this this sentence of uh, Kundalini Yoga is a profound uh, way towards uh, uh, increased consciousness. It somehow clicked into my mind. I. I had the music, I had the plant medicine experiences, and I had like the perspective of a calm and peaceful mind, which Eckhart Tolle gave me, but there was nothing in between. I, I knew about the possibility of such a thing as uh, uh, reaching a calm state towards, uh, through uh, increased uh, consciousness. I, and and through my experience with plant medicine, I I took that as a, a serious potential way to uh, for your life to unfold. Otherwise, I would have probably dismissed it as bullshit. But um, so I I knew there was it was a possibility. I only did not have any clue how I could ever cross that path or 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 go on that journey. And by the time I read it, I thought like this is my view. It, it was as if you were um wondering i need i need to go to the other side of the country um and it's in the middle of the night no trains are coming and all of a sudden a car parks in front of you and then you're not doubting yeah the, here's the car drive it okay so, okay so you drove and you got into the uh, the, the kundalini yoga club instantly or did you uh after yeah that, well pretty soon because because through this blog post of Jasper I, I ended up at the Kundalini Yoga Club and then I was like I was in this new car I, I sometimes call it my vessel Kundalini Yoga is my vessel on my spiritual journey um, and I, I had to know the how, how this vessel works what are you supposed to do etc and that's why I was so receptive to all the uh, guidance from Jasper in the Kundalini Yoga Club environment like do it daily uh, do it for uh, 40 days, the same Kriya, and then a new Kriya. All those things, I took them for granted because I was like, okay, I, I know this is my vessel, but I don't know how the vessel works. So tell me how it works and I'll, I'll run with it. Yeah, and, and Jasper, some of them, uh, maybe some people don't know Jasper, but Jasper is the birth name of Guru Gion. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he listens to Go, by the way. So uh, he seemed like a person who had done it before and who knew how this vessel worked. And yeah, uh, what definitely. have you done with Jasper? Tell tell us, uh, uh, because this podcast is, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, take it too long, but can you surely tell what you have done with Jasper? Yeah, well, first I, I read his ebook. I subscribed to the Kundalini Yoga Club. I started to do his uh, uh, Kriyas on a daily basis. So uh, my um, uh, family got used to me sitting in front of, uh, of the laptop with a, uh, uh, a man with a big beard and a, a turban explaining what I should do. And even my kids were like, if, if 
I, I still recall one moment in time that there was a quite complicated uh, Kriya and uh, Jasper was into sort of particular movement and I was doing it not right. So my three-year-old was bowing over me and she's like, no, that's not how it should be. Look at the screen. So he, <laughs> so in a, in a way, he, he also became a familiar face into our uh, daily family life um, uh, through uh, this uh, Kundalini Yoga Club uh, footage. And then uh, I also saw on the website that there was something like a yogi for uh, in a day where you could have a one day experience. By that time, it was still with uh, with Guru Gyan. So I went to Amsterdam for such a day and I was uh, there when I met him. And then there were a morning session of intense Kriya and an afternoon session of an even more intense Kriya. And I recall I had a uh, muscle ache in my pains for three days after. So there was a good initiation. And later on, I went uh, on a retreat, a uh, four-day retreat um, in the Netherlands. And I got more immersed into uh, uh, the, the, the daily uh, practice of uh, group sadhana and uh, all guided, of course, also by Guru Gyan. Uh, and then after that, uh, last year, uh, autumn, I subscribed to the program of Master of Two Worlds, where we briefly touched upon before uh, and that uh, basically the purpose of that was to uh, make a transformation both in your internal world let, let's say on your spiritual journey as well as in the is in the in the outer world uh, and that was last year so it ended uh, in july like almost half a year ago uh, and that really i think for the for the internal transformation was more subtle but in the external transformation was quite concrete because uh, it was one of the triggers the main trigger i would say to um, uh, start my own business and to uh, phase out uh, um, uh, my work um, on the payroll uh, uh, with, with, within a company i'm in the last process of phasing out actually this week is my last working week uh, for, for for my employer and uh, uh, from there on, I will be fully self-employed and my business is, is going very well. But that's definitely uh, something that was triggered by this program that I did with Jasper. And that uh, consisted of seven full days where we were invited at his place. So we were having sadhana at his place, uh, breakfast, lunch and dinner. And in, in, in between, we had all uh, kriyas and other types of activities to, to trigger you to, to go into this transformation. So I really got to know him well uh, in that time. And actually, he also became uh, the first client of my new business uh, in a funny way. So that was also a, a nice way to close the circle because it was through his program that I was energized uh, to make this transformation. And uh, when I was setting up my business, he was the first one to see the potential and uh, tap into it with uh, with his own uh, questions. And, and what's your business, and uh, and uh, uh, what what did these spiritual sessions do with that business initiation? Well, yeah, the, the business is uh, uh, about supporting organizations to uh, absorb and integrate uh, artificial intelligence technologies in their field of work. So currently the most well-known is ChatGPT, but there's other technologies as well. And many organizations are like, okay, we know so that there's something going on with artificial intelligence, but we don't know how to apply it within our field of work. So I play a role in um, telling them what are the possibilities and, and also implementing the possibilities together. 
this is not particularly a spiritual venture. Um, so the trigger for this particular topic was not in the program, but the very fact that I was ready to start up my own business is a direct result of what we have created uh, during this year program. It's a lot about the way you you chose to master your own career instead of working for a master. Definitely. And also the self-confidence that is needed to, to take this step. The uncertainty, because we just bought a house, uh, we didn't have any uh, money uh, left on our bank accounts uh, for savings. So uh, financially, it was a very uncertain time to take this step. Uh, but the, the program was all about going out of your comfort zone, uh, uh, going one step beyond you were uh, able to uh, to think before uh, and actually the whole idea about this business was uh, created during one of these days that we were uh, with uh, uh, Guru Dian. I recall that we were doing sadhana and some seed was planted and throughout the day during the different exercises I I started to shape this idea and by the time uh, the day was over i drove home and i called uh, my partner and i said to her i'm going to start a business so within this this one day uh, from the first idea of of setting it up towards the determination of actually doing it and i recall the next monday i went to the chamber of commerce and i subscribed and and the rest is history wow. <laughs> so you're still beginning right with kundalini yoga yeah, I think uh, maybe to make a reference to the to the title of the podcast of Kundalini Awakening. Yeah. What I really like about Kundalini Yoga, maybe, but at first I didn't really like it, but now I, I really started to appreciate it, is that it's a very gentle, step-by-step -step process of awakening your uh, uh, Kundalini energy. And maybe at first you feel like, I mean, all our world is, is full around excitement and, and highlights. So you, you want to have this Kundalini energy, whatever it might be. You might not even know what it is, but you want to have it fully flowing. But now I realize that, that the, the Kundalini yoga is such a refined technology to, to like unleash it very gradually, step by step. So whatever additional capabilities you, you encounter, during the ride, you're also able to integrate them uh, and apply them in a good way instead of uh, getting um, uh, frustrated or, uh, or uh, overthrown by anxiety or whatever, because it's a very powerful ener energy. But if it's unleashed in an un uncontrolled way, it can also harm you a lot because you just don't understand what's going on. And I think one of the metaphors that uh, Guru Giang gave was that he said it's like uh, shaving or polishing away your ego with a, a sandpaper. So one slow uh, um, brushing at a time. And even now when I do the sets, when there's, for example, uh, uh, a breath of fire, uh, a, a kriya of three minutes or so, I, I do realize that every breath of fire that I take, every single one of it is one of these polishing movements with the sandpaper. Uh, and sometimes for months, you don't even realize that something's going on, but then for a while you have a, a wider perspective and you see that things are changing. So to get have back you, to your- Has your partner and your kids noticed? Are they saying anything about your- Yeah, yeah, well, the kids- the, the kids are still young, so I they definitely see that when I'm just out 
uh, after the morning sadhana, I'm relaxed. And also the oldest one gives me feedback like uh, uh, when, I'm, when I'm not in tune or not relaxed, she says like, uh, you're, uh, you're, you're really mad at this moment. So uh, you should not behave like that. So there's, there's some connotation there. She at least has the, the terminology also to reflect on, on my behavior, which is very, very uh, uh, welcoming and and, uh, and and useful for me and with my part you back to the yoga go back to that man with the beers <laughs> exactly yeah not literally but that's basically what she's saying yeah and and my partner uh, with her definitely I think we have we have basically decided to embark on the spiritual journey together because she had her journey I ex accidentally came in with my journey with a lot of energy and and fuzz around it and now we we kind of merged our, our paths and are uh, on the path together. And in terms of how we relate to each other, definitely a lot has changed. Uh, and I think our relationship has become a much more healthy, but there's still a route to go for us. But uh, um, we, we are in a better place than we were a few years ago. And I'm pretty sure we are, we're moving towards the right direction together. Thank you so much. I, 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 I wow. I, I think a lot of, uh, men, we in our club we have more women, right? They they somehow more connected with the spiritual calling. But not men might look at it from a much more rational, earthy point of view, which you mm -hmm. just described, right? If I don't see it, I don't believe it. So yeah. I want to thank you for sharing that because it is possible that you do both. You know, uh, you can do things manifest in the world like AI. So business helping business to improve adopting technology but on the other side you can also have a spiritual journey it's not the one or the other because um, um, I, I, we're also looking in time i, I want to close this off um, what would you because you're a man tell all the guys that feel like ah, they they have a feeling they're in the rat race what would you tell them we we are all looking for our masculinity i think especially in in our society uh what is masculine to do um making uh, nasty jokes about women drinking a lot of beer going out all night uh being uh, aggressive that's that's how we expose our masculinity usually but in the end that's not a fulfilling way to to uh, to expose your masculinity. If you really want to feel what your masculinity is actually about, I think you can achieve that by going on a spiritual path. Uh, because real masculinity only unfolds uh, uh, in a satisfying way, which also others know to appreciate if you are able to explore that in, the, in a safe environment uh, where you can first get home to yourself and then do a new attempt to expose your masculinity and you will definitely find out that it's much more appreciated both internally as well as towards the outside world yeah that is so well said martin i have the same experience in a way coming home um in a kundalini yoga lesson i don't think that that kundalini yoga is for everybody one does zen meditation the other one does ayahuasca but but what i do resonate to is that I, I think we men have been taught to compete 
to dominate the world, to, to build a career at the cost of others. And that is what masculinity has been shown as right. Even the whole movie world, you know, it's like conquering. But I don't think that that's satisfying or durable. And if you're listening, you dear men out there, if you are looking for a satisfying way to display, come in contact with masculinity and, fe and a feminine way also, I think. Definitely. Uh, I think we're both. And, and being in contact with both is so much more uh, satisfying. And I wish you luck in exploring the different spiritual tools. There's many tools there. Just if you have the intent to find, you will find. And I want to thank Martin for sharing his path and, uh, you know, ayahuasca, truffles, ecotola, meditation, kundalini yoga. You see, I went the same way. Whichever way you go, set the intention, give it attention, and it will grow for you. Like you are listening to this podcast. And I want to thank you for spending your time and listening to us. Uh, please share with those that maybe need it and uh, listen to the other episodes uh, that we did before and uh, come back for the new ones. Thank you so much. Do take care. Goodbye from the Kundalini Awakening Podcast. My name is Sandesh. I was with Martin and uh, see you next time.